All right, we're in Mark chapter 5. And again, we're taking kind of bigger chunks in Mark 5 because of the way it's laid out. Last week we dealt with the first 20 verses and we'll be dealing with the rest of the chapter this morning, verses 21 through 43. We're talking this morning about the power of faith from two events that are intertwined here at the end of Mark 5. Let's give careful hearing again to the reading of God's holy and inspired word. When Jesus had crossed over again, in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. And so he stayed by the seashore. One of the synagogue officials named Jairus came up and on seeing him fell at his feet and implored him earnestly saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come and lay your hands on her so, so that she will get well and live. And we, he went off with him. And a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. A woman who had had a hemorrhage for 12 years and had endured much at the hands of many physicians and had spent all that she had and was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. After hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him and touched his cloak. For she thought, if I just touch his garments, I will get well. Immediately the flow of blood was dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her affliction. Immediately Jesus perceiving in himself that the power proceeding from him had gone forth, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing in on you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see the woman who had done this, but the woman fearing and trembling, aware of what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. But while he was still speaking, they came from the house of the synagogue official saying, Your daughter has died. Why trouble the teacher anymore? But Jesus, overhearing what was being spoken, said to the synagogue official, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. And he allowed no one to accompany him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. And they came to the house of the synagogue official. And he saw a commotion and people loudly weeping and wailing. And entering in, he said to them, why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him. But putting them all out, he took along the child's father, mother, and his own companions, and entered the room where the child was. And taking the child by the hand, he said to her, Talitha whom, which translated means little girl, I say to you, get up. And immediately the girl got up and began to walk, for she was 12 years old. And immediately they were completely astonished. And he gave them strict orders that no one should know about this. And he said that they should give her something to eat. It is God's word. Let's pray. 
Father, we love your we love your word. We love it because it points us to the compassion and the mercy and the grace of the Lord Jesus. It reminds us of our great need for him. And Father, we pray that this morning we would see that and we might come to him in faith, believing and knowing that whatever I need is today, he can meet it. We ask these things in his name. Amen. Well, as we've seen before, this particular portion of the gospel of Mark that we're studying now is known as Jesus' great Galilean ministry. It's, a, it's about a 16-month period where Jesus spent his time around the Sea of Galilee. He's headquartered in Capernaum, which is on the, the coast. And he was kind of back and forth ministering in different cities and villages in that particular area of Galilee. The truth is that the majority of the content we have in the Gospels about the ministry of Jesus took place during that 16-month period, during that great Galilean ministry. Now, during this time, Jesus was very active and he was very busy. This is when his popularity was at its greatest. He was teaching and he was performing miracles. Now, those two things always went together. The miracles of Jesus affirmed or confirmed the words of Jesus. What he did gave credence or an authority to what he said. Jesus' ministry was always one of both word, of teaching, and of deed, and that is performing of miracles. Now, here in this particular section of, of, um, of Mark, Mark into Mark 4, into Mark 5, uh, the Gospels are focusing upon Jesus' mighty power. It goes all the way back to the end of chapter 4 when Mason preached several weeks ago about when they were crossing the sea and the storm came up and Jesus calmed the sea. Showed Jesus' power over nature. Last week, we saw him confront the, the demon whose name was Legion and cast out that multitude of demons from that demon-possessed men, sent them into the pigs, and the pigs went off into the sea. Showed Jesus' power over the demonic forces, over Satan himself. Today we see Jesus' mighty power over sickness as he healed the woman who had been sick for 12 years and his power over death as he raised the daughter of Jairus from the dead. Those two stories, as I mentioned earlier, are intertwined, and so we're going to take them together. And what I want you to see this morning from these two events in the life of Christ are, is the power of faith. You know, here at North Point, we put the focus where it needs to be, where the Bible puts it, and that's on the sovereign power of God over all of life, including our salvation. But again, that does not negate our personal responsibility to exercise faith, to repent of our sin, to pursue holiness to strive to grow in grace and mature in sanctification. I touched on it last week. I'm going to hammer on it a little bit more this morning. And that is our belief in the sovereignty of God does not negate nor nullify 
our own personal responsibility. You must believe. You must repent. You must trust in Jesus. You must exercise faith. And that's what I want us to look at from this text this morning is the importance of exercising faith. In fact, I want us to consider the power of faith, the power of personal faith, the power of your faith. As we look at these two stories, the first thing that jumps out at us is an obvious need. Both Jairus and the woman had obvious needs. Now, the situation again is this. Jesus uh, and his disciples had crossed the, the Sea of Galilee. That's when the storm came up and Jesus calmed the, the storm. They landed in the area of the Gerizims. That's where he met with this demon-possessed man. And he cast out the legion of demons, sent them into the pigs. The people in the community came out to see it, were so troubled by what Jesus had done, they asked him to leave. So Jesus did. And so they went back across the Sea of Galilee to the other side. And that's where we pick up the story, really, in verse 21, where he was approached by Jairus and this woman who brought to him their pressing needs. And we see in verse 22 that Jairus is described as one of the synagogue officials. Technically, he was known as the ruler of the synagogue. That is, he was responsible for the synagogue services. He was made to make sure that everything was set up. Preparations had been made. He was the one who was to assign the reading of uh, the Old Testament scriptures to those who would read. He was to make sure everything was in proper place. And so this is a man of some prominence. But the man had some real personal trouble. You know, trouble is no respecter of persons, is it? The Bible says we're all bound for trouble. All of us, just as the, certainly as the sparks fly upward. This prominent man, this synagogue official, had a real problem. A heart-wrenching problem. His 12-year-old daughter was sick. So sick she was at the point of death. You know, it's one thing to be sick yourself. But it's something else, isn't it? To see one of your children be sick. Now, you children don't understand it. But as bad as you feel when you're sick, your parents feel just as bad, not worse, for you. There's not a parent in here who wouldn't swap places with you to alleviate the opportunity for you to experience a, a serious illness or a tragic injury. Some of you parents in here have, have struggled with that. I've dealt with children who've experienced serious illnesses or even death. It's a difficult thing for a parent to see their children suffer. Nothing grieves the heart of a parent more than that. Well, that's where this man was. His daughter was suffering. She was very, very sick. He told Jesus in verse 23, my little daughter is at the point of death. Jairus had a real need. His heart was broken. His soul was grieved. He feared for his daughter's life. Now the woman also had a 
pressing need. She'd been sick for 12 years. She had really been through it. Verse 26 says this. She had endured much at the hands of many physicians. Had spent all that she had. It was not helped at all, but rather had grown worse. She had been from doctor to doctor. She had been through treatment after treatment. She had taken this medicine and that medicine. She had tried this. She tried that. But nothing had helped. None of the doctors had been able to cure her of her disease. And not only that, she had spent all her money, but she hadn't gotten better. Instead, she had gotten worse. So we can assume, I think, this woman was financially destitute, socially ostracized, mentally exhausted, and spiritually empty, as well, of course, as physically sick. She had a very, very real need, and she had suffered with it for a long time. What I want you to see from this first point is the first step in coming to Jesus for anything is to see your need. Look, if you don't see your need for Christ, you'll never come to Christ. You don't see that you need him in your life, either for salvation or for personal strength or for guidance or for blessing or for healing. You'll never come to him. The first step is where these two individuals were to realize, I have a need. And Jesus is the one who can meet it. Well, in the second place, we see in this text an urgent request. See, not only did both of them realize the reality of their need, but they, they brought those needs urgently to Jesus. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this was a time when Jesus was at the height of his popularity. Huge crowds followed him everywhere that he went. He couldn't get away from them because if he tried to get away, they would look for him. They would find him and they would come to him again. And so here in verse 21, the very first of the passage, it says, when Jesus had crossed over again in the boat to the other side, a large crowd gathered around him. So it's no secret Jesus was there. Everyone knew. Jairus knew. Jairus obviously knew something about Jesus. It might be that Jesus had attended his synagogue on occasion. You know, they allowed Jesus to come to the synagogue. He was a Jew. They even gave him an opportunity to read the scriptures sometimes, even to make comments about the scriptures from time to time. And you can tell how urgent this request was from Jairus in verse 22, where we're told that he came up and on seeing Jesus, he fell at his feet. Now again, remember, this is no man off the street. This is a prominent Jewish man. This is a synagogue official. And for him to do what he does here would be unthinkable. But that's how urgent this man was in bringing his need to Jesus. He didn't care what people thought. He didn't care how it looked. He didn't care what anyone said. All he cared about at this point was the health of his little daughter. And so we're told in verse 23, he implored Jesus earnestly. And he said to him, my little daughter is at the point of death. Please come 
and lay your hands on her so that she may get well and live. You can almost just feel the urgency in the man's voice, can't you? My little daughter is sick. She's about to die. Please come, lay hands on her. That's the, the, the frantic plea of a desperately worried father. And, and we also see this kind of urgent request in the, on the part of the woman. Uh, in the text, it's clear that when, when Jairus came to Jesus and said, would you come to my house? Jesus immediately began to do that. He made, him, made his way through the crowd to go to Jairus' house. Now, again, you have to remember, there's this huge crowd. They're pressing in around Jesus. It really is similar to a mob scene. But look at verse 24 where it says, And went off with him, and a large crowd was following him and pressing in on him. And so the, the scene is Jesus and his disciples are making their way through the crowd, trying to get through to get to, get to Jairus' house. And you can almost see the, the disciples trying to push the people aside, trying to clear a path for them to make it. Uh, through this large crowd of people. Well, this woman, this sick woman, was also in the crowd. She had heard about Jesus. She had heard about what Jesus had done and what he could do. And so in verse 27, we're told, after hearing about Jesus, she came up in the crowd behind him. Now, the text doesn't describe it. But you've got to realize, I'm sure it took some effort. Some real effort for this sick woman to get to Jesus. She has been weakened by her illness, and yet she's determined to get to Jesus. Pressing her way through the crowd, kind of weaving her way along, perhaps stumbling from time to time. But pressing on, diligently trying to get to Jesus. And finally, when she got to Jesus, she reached out and she touched his robe. That was the way she made her urgent request. Jairus' request was verbal. Her request is nonverbal. Jairus fell at his, Jesus' feet and said, Come with me, come to my house, heal my daughter. This woman just struggled to get close enough to Jesus to where she could reach out her hand and touch his robe, really anonymously. She didn't want him to be recognized. She just wanted Jesus to heal her. You see, that's what, that's what seeing your need does for you. It drives you to Jesus. When you see your real need and understand that Jesus is the only one who can meet that need, You'll be just like Jairus and just like this woman, urgently bringing your need to him. Here's our sense of urgency. Let's be honest, sometimes we're kind of ho-hum, aren't we, about our needs. Let's be more honest. Sometimes it's us Presbyterians, us Reformed Christians, who might be the worst about that. After all, we believe in the sovereignty of God. We know that God will work all his holy will 
that he has foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. So why be like this woman? Why be like Jairus? He must not have been very reformed. Listen. Never allow your understanding of the wonderful truths of God's sovereignty to temper your sense of urgency and bring your knees to Jesus. Don't ever pervert the wonderful truths of the Reformed faith by being lackadaisical and seeking the Lord's faith face. Do not allow your understanding of who God is to blind you to who you are. We need more people like Jairus. We need more reformed people like Jairus. And more people like this woman who will stop at nothing to bring their need to Jesus and ask him to, to meet it. There's a third thing. And we see in the text a prompt response. You know, both these people saw, brought their need to Jesus and both these people saw Jesus respond to them. I'm sure both of them had the question as they came, what will Jesus do? How will Jesus respond? I know he's helped others, but will he help me? But neither one of them had to wait long for the answer. You know, Jairus, again, had begged Jesus to come. Please come. Lay your hands on my daughter and and she will get well and live. His request was very specific he asked Jesus to heal his daughter, to save her life, and to enable her to continue to live. As we saw earlier in verse 24, it says, And he, that is Jesus, went off with him. Well, before they got very far, in fact, it's clear in the text when you read the next section about the sick woman, when he was dealing with her. So he hadn't gone very far. He's still in the crowd. People came from Jairus' house. And they told Jairus, your daughter has died. She's dead. Why bother the teacher anymore? They knew Jairus had come to see Jesus. They knew that Jairus had come to bring Jesus to heal his daughter. But since she was dead, they came and said, you best let him go somewhere else and do something else. Well, Jesus overheard the conversation. And he came over to Jairus and he told him in verse 36. Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. And so they went on to the house where the girl's body was. Clear the text, he left the crowd somehow. He took only with him Peter, James, and John. And when they got to the house, there was a lot of Commotion. There was weeping and wailing, people crying. Yeah, Jesus told them in verse 39, Why make a commotion and weep? The child has not died, but is asleep. It's interesting that when Jesus said that, these people, these mourners, these people who have been weeping and wailing began to laugh. They began to laugh at this foolish thing that Jesus had said. Well, they knew the little girl was dead. Well, Jesus took the girl's mother and father, Jairus and his wife, Peter, James, and John, along with him, the room where the girl was. And Jesus took her hand and he said to her, little girl, arise. And immediately 
She got up. She got up and she began to walk. What a prompt response! Jairus asked Jesus to come. He did come. He did what Jairus asked. He, he put his hand on his daughter, and she got well, and she lived. But now, of course, on the way, on the way, just as Jesus was beginning to to go with Jairus, Jesus had this encounter with the woman. She made her way through the crowd. She reached out and she touched Jesus' coat. She knew enough about Jesus to have enough faith that if she thought, if I just get to him, if I just reach out and touch him, then I'll be healed. And the response to her was quicker than it was to Jairus. It did happen. As soon as she touched Jesus' robe, she could feel it. She knew it. She was healed. The fourth thing we see in this text is a believing faith. Jairus and this woman had one thing in common beyond their need. That is, they had a faith. They had a believing faith. And they both got a quick response. What did Jairus say to Jesus? You come, he said. You come Lay hands on her so that she will get well and live. What did the woman say? The woman said in verse 28, If I just touch his garments, I will get well. Now, after the woman had touched Jesus' garment, she knew that the power of Jesus had left him. There's no other place in the New Testament that's given to us where this kind of thing happened, where kind of the power of Jesus just kind of left him and went to someone else. And Jesus was aware that this power had left him. And so he said at the end of verse 30, he turned around in the crowd and said, who touched me? And his disciples looked at him like, what are you asking? All kinds of people are pressing around you. Why are you asking, who touched you? How are we going to figure out who touched you? And the woman realized that Jesus knew. He looked at her, and she came to him, and she told him the whole truth of why she'd come and what had happened. And that is what Jesus told her in verse 34. Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your affliction. What an amazing statement. Your faith has made you well. Both of these individuals, Jairus and the woman, had a believing faith. They believed that Jesus could do what they asked him to do. Never belittle the power of of faith. You know, throughout the Bible, we're called upon to exercise faith. The Bible says we're saved by faith. We're to have saving faith. The Bible also says we're to live by faith. It speaks of having a great faith, a sincere faith. It denounces those who have what the Bible calls a little faith. James says we're to ask in faith without any doubting. And he also talks about the prayer that is offered in faith. I want you to know this morning that there is power in your faith. 
The Bible calls upon us to have faith, to exercise faith. But what you need to understand is the power is not in your faith itself alone. The power is in the object of your faith. Your faith is only as good as Jesus is good. Your faith is only as powerful as Jesus is powerful. Because you see, the power really isn't in your faith. The power is in the one in whom you place your faith. It's in the object of your faith. And that is the Lord Jesus. Look, the more you understand the power of Jesus, the more powerful your faith will be. The more you understand the power of God, the more powerful your faith will be. To have a powerful faith, you have to have a powerful God. To have a powerful faith, you have to have a powerful Savior. Don't rely just upon your faith and think, well, if I just believe enough, it is not the belief is the one in whom you believe. So believe in the power of God. Believe in the power of Jesus. Believe in his power over nature, his power over sickness, his power over death. Jairus had that kind of faith. If you just come, my daughter will live. The woman had that kind of faith. If I just touch his garments, I will get well. By the power of your faith. How do you pray? Do you pray in faith, believing? Oh, we always pray, submitting ourselves to God's will, just like Jesus did. You know, Jesus had a real need, didn't he? He was about to go to the cross. And he prayed that if there were any other way for it to happen apart from his going to the cross, that God would allow it. He prayed for it. And he knew that if God was willing, it would happen. But he submitted his will to his father's will. He said, but not my will, but yours be done. That doesn't belittle Jesus' faith. For you to pray in submission to God's will doesn't belittle the power of your faith. It simply enables you to understand God is the one who works all things together after the counsel of his will. Why is our faith so weak sometimes it's because we don't have enough of an understanding of the power and the object of our faith who God is who his son is the strength of your faith is directly related to the object of your faith oh, that's why we teach about the power of God that's why we teach about the power and the grace and the mercy of Jesus because the more you understand who they are, the greater your faith will be. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for the truth of your word. And give us great faith like Jairus and like this woman. And help us to bring our needs to Jesus urgently, knowing that you will hear and you'll answer. And we give you praise and thanks for it in Jesus' name. Amen.